who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Even hardened genre fans will find themselves whimpering at each new revelation. Publishers Weekly. The Infected Trilogy is an unabridged three-season audio fiction series from number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler. Infected is a marvel of gonzo in-your-face up-to-the-minute terror. Lincoln Child, New York Times bestselling author of Relic and the Pendergrass series. 88 episodes, 53 hours of horror are free and available now wherever you listen to podcasts. Annihilator Words cut a tear in Naomi's dream, echoing through her head as if they'd been spoken directly into her ear. Her eyes fluttered open and she saw Dakota standing at her bedside, golden curls dangling at the edges of her face, eyes wide with alarm. What is it, honey? Naomi said. The girl bounced anxiously on the balls of her feet, baggy pajama pants hanging from her hips. I saw a ghost, she said. Can I sleep with you? Naomi groaned, only half awake. All right, she said, scooting over to make room for Dakota. Behind her, Michelle went on snoring. And within a few minutes, she and Dakota were asleep as well. In the morning, Dakota woke and padded down the hall to her room. While she was getting ready for school, Naomi went downstairs to brew some coffee. She found Michelle seated at the kitchen table, reading the newspaper and eating a bowl of muesli. How'd you sleep? Naomi said. Fine, Michelle said dryly, holding her wife's gaze for a few long seconds. What? Naomi asked. I thought we agreed she wasn't sleeping in our bed anymore, said Michelle. Right, I know, Naomi said. She just, she was scared. She said she saw a ghost. Okay, so we talk to her. We tell her ghosts aren't real. I'm not saying we can't support her, but, but how do we know? What? Michelle asked. How do we know ghosts aren't real? Said Naomi. Why would we tell her something we don't know for a fact? 
Are you serious? Michelle asked. Do you really want to debate the existence of ghosts at seven in the morning? No, I don't know. I just... Forget it. I'll talk to her. Michelle got up and brought her bowl to the sink. Okay, she said, kissing Naomi on the cheek. I'm late. I gotta run. While Dakota finished getting ready, Naomi stewed on the question. How do we know ghosts aren't real? What on earth had made her ask something like that? She didn't really believe in ghosts, did she? A few minutes later, Dakota came stomping down the stairs and sat at the kitchen table. Naomi served her a bowl of cereal and a slice of toast with applesauce on it. Are you ready for school? Naomi asked. Dakota nodded. Honey, what did you say you saw last night? Asked Naomi. Dakota's face turned grim, and she stared into her bowl of cereal. I saw a ghost, she said apprehensively. Naomi sat down and placed a hand on her daughter's. Were you awake when you saw it? She asked. The girl nodded. What did it look like? It was a man, Dakota said. A sad man. He looked old and he smelled like smoke. Naomi felt her pulse quicken. And where was he? She asked. Was he inside the house? Dakota nodded again. He was in my room. He looked at me. And then he walked away. Naomi felt her body tense up, her hand unconsciously squeezing Dakota's. Had someone actually been in their house the night before? She didn't see how it was possible. She knew they'd set the alarm. She'd heard Michelle deactivate it when she'd left the house a few minutes before. But something about Dakota's experience petrified her. And then, slowly, she realized what it was. The reason her daughter's words were so disturbing was because her story was familiar. Hadn't she, too, been haunted as a child? She hadn't thought about it in years, but she swore she'd had an eerily similar experience. A figure in her room late at night, a smell of smoke or of something burning, and Naomi trembling in fear beneath her blankets. The memory was vague, but it was there. Come on, she said, getting to her feet. We're going to be late. Dakota hopped down from her chair and Naomi helped her load her homework into her backpack. She tugged on a pair of green rain boots and walked out to the garage with Naomi in tow. The two of them climbed into the car and buckled up. When she'd pulled the car out onto the road, Naomi looked at Dakota in the rearview mirror. She watched her run her tongue back and forth over the gap where one of her front teeth was missing. You know, honey, she said. Sometimes nightmares feel really real. There are times when you think you're awake, but you're really dreaming. Okay, Dakota said, looking out the window. But then how do you know real life isn't just a dream? Well, Naomi said, finding the question surprisingly difficult to answer. Talking to Dakota was like that sometimes. She had a knack for making inexplicably profound statements. 
I don't know, she said. I guess you always wake up from dreams. Eventually. I guess so, Dakota said, shrugging. But I wasn't dreaming last night. I didn't make it up. Okay, Naomi said as she pulled into the school parking lot. I didn't say you did. Just as they arrived, the school's bell rang. It sounded like a jackhammer hitting a steel bowl. Dakota hopped out of the car, hugging her backpack to her chest. Have a good day, Naomi said as she did. I'll be by to pick you up this afternoon. When she pulled out of the school parking lot, Naomi was still thinking about Dakota's ghost. It was eerie not only how certain her daughter was that she'd been awake when it happened, but also that what she had seen had, in fact, been a ghost. Why a ghost? Why hadn't she simply said she'd seen a man in her room? But wasn't that how Naomi's own ghost had appeared to her as well? Nothing more than a shadowy-looking figure that manifested in her room at night? And hadn't she, too, been immediately convinced that her intruder was a ghost? It puzzled her how the memory of her childhood haunting had just suddenly re-emerged. How did she go so many years without thinking about it? And how, now, could her daughter be having an almost identical experience? She struggled to recall what came of her sightings as a child. Did the ghost just eventually disappear on its own? She couldn't recall. All she could remember was lying in her bed on the second story of her family's duplex. It was late at night, and somehow she became aware of a figure, standing jarringly still, its body pressed into the dim corner of her room. She couldn't remember much about the figure's appearance. It seemed to be made of shadows. But she felt, intuitively, that it meant to do her harm. She didn't know how she knew this. She simply felt like she was in the presence of death when she saw it. She thought that perhaps the reason she'd forgotten about her ghost was because of how eventful her childhood had been. Although, when she spoke to Michelle about it, she didn't use the word eventful. Rather, she used words like painful and unstable. Her father was deeply religious, but despite his beliefs, he was also a drinker. On the best of days, it made him a difficult person to be around. Even when Naomi was young, her mother seemed to be looking for a way out of the marriage. As a couple, they were volatile, hardly fit for parenthood. They were often absent, her father out hunting, her mother at Bible study or some such place. She wished her mother was around more, but for the most part she considered her father's perpetual absence to be a blessing. Whenever he was around, he saw most everything she did as an opportunity for discipline. She couldn't remember everything her father berated her about, but one topic he spoke frequently and passionately about was modesty. It seemed he never tired of explaining the mortifying dangers of immodesty to her. The way you present yourself to the world can have consequences, he would tell her. If you show a man indecent things, you'll corrupt his thoughts. Even a minor lapse in dignity can be like poison for the body God gave us. 
Sometimes he would scream at her over things that seemed so trivial, like wearing shirts that exposed her shoulders or resting her elbows on the dinner table. When his rage subsided, she would run to her room and lay crying in her bed. Naomi always cried quietly and never cried in front of her parents if she could help it. She hated the idea of letting her father know how much he could hurt her. When her dad would drink himself to sleep, her mom would sneak into her room and comfort her. She would lay with her and rub her back and whisper to her, Don't let your fear keep you away from me, she would say. It was a turbulent time in Naomi's life, but she survived it, and she gave herself credit for that, if nothing else. When she got home from dropping off Dakota, she found their dog, a mutt named Cheever, scratching at the door. She grabbed his leash off the hook and took him out for a walk around the block. It was a gray and hazy day, the air brisk and still. When she and Cheever got back to the house, she let him out in the backyard, and then she made her way from room to room, making beds and gathering laundry to put in the wash. She couldn't help but feel a little uneasy, being in the house all alone. She was still thinking about Dakota's ghost, about the ghost she herself suddenly remembered seeing as a child, and it all had her feeling tense. She peeked around corners, expecting to see someone there, listened intently to every creak in the walls. She even reviewed the previous night's footage from their doorbell cameras but neither the front nor back door camera had captured any evidence of an intruder. In the afternoon, she picked up Dakota from school, and together they went to the grocery store. When they got home, Dakota played in the backyard with Cheever, and Naomi began making dinner. Michelle came home from work soon after and joined Naomi in the kitchen. How's your day? Naomi asked as she skinned a potato. Not bad, Michelle said, shrugging. How's yours? Pretty good, Naomi said. Didn't get ambushed by the ghost, so I'm happy about that. Michelle laughed. Did you tell Dakota she has to sleep in her bed from now on? Well, Naomi said, smiling. Kind of. I did tell her that sometimes dreams seem real, but that they're nothing to be afraid of. And what did she say? Michelle asked. She said, then how do you know real life isn't just a dream? Michelle snickered. Our daughter, the philosopher, she said. Dakota came inside a few minutes later, and the three of them ate dinner. For the remainder of the evening, Naomi was quiet and reserved. It was only hours later, when she and Michelle were lying in bed, that she turned to her wife and whispered, Do you ever feel like that, though? Like what? Michelle asked. Like what Dakota said, Naomi replied. Like you're living in a dream. What does that mean? You know, Naomi said, like your life isn't real. Like it's an illusion. A story you're being told. Not really, Michelle said. Why? I don't know, Naomi said. Just a feeling I get sometimes. She only realized she'd fallen asleep when she was awoken in the early morning hours by an ear-splitting crack. It sounded like a gunshot or a car backfiring, 
but startlingly close. When she realized Michelle hadn't also woken up, she supposed it had just come from a dream. But she decided to get up and check the house anyway. She walked towards Dakota's room, feeling her way through the darkness with the smooth wooden handrail that lined the upstairs hallway. Dakota's door was cracked open, and Naomi peeked inside. Her daughter was lying in her bed, but she didn't appear to be asleep. Her eyes were wide open, staring back at Naomi through the darkness. Naomi rushed to her bedside and knelt. Dakota, she said. Yes, the girl responded calmly. What's wrong? Naomi asked. Dakota paused for a moment, her wide eyes still seeming to stare off into oblivion. He came back, she said. Who? Naomi asked. Who came back? The ghost, said Dakota. He was right there. She raised her arm and pointed a slender finger towards the corner of her room. Naomi turned to look instinctually. Her eyes searched for detail in the darkness, and it made the walls look soft and fuzzy. She stared at the darkened corner of her daughter's room and felt a familiar kind of fear. Suddenly, she noticed movement from the corner of her eye. It seemed like something tall and dark had passed in front of the bedroom doorway. Without hesitation, she grabbed Dakota and carried her out of the room. As she hurried down the hallway, she glanced at the stairs below, and for a moment, she swore she saw a dark figure crouched on the landing between the first and second story. Michelle awoke as Naomi and Dakota came thudding into the bedroom. What the hell is going on? She asked, lifting her head from the pillow. I think someone's in the house, Naomi said breathlessly. As if a switch had been turned, Michelle sprung out of bed and reached for the baseball bat she kept next to her nightstand. Carrying the bat at her side, she disappeared into the hallway. Naomi hugged Dakota tight to her chest. She could hear lights flicking on as Michelle moved through the house, searching for the intruder. But when Michelle returned to their room a few minutes later, having searched every room and found nothing, Naomi was at first relieved and then confused. She was all but certain she'd seen someone outside Dakota's room. But indeed, the house was empty. The doors were locked. There was no sign of a disturbance. I'm sorry, Naomi said as Michelle lay back down in bed. It's fine, Michelle said harshly. Naomi took Dakota back down the hall to her room. She laid with her daughter for a few minutes, intending to return to her own bed once Dakota fell asleep. But when the morning came, she was still there. It was nearly 8 a.m. and Michelle had already left for work, so she woke Dakota and rushed her to get ready for school. Later that morning, she sent a text to Michelle, apologizing again for causing a stir in the night. It's okay, Michelle wrote back. It's just, she's a child. She's impressionable. I feel like we should know better than to be feeding into her fears. You're right. Naomi wrote back, and then she apologized for a third time, as if she thought that would finally make her feel better. Sometimes she worried that Michelle secretly hated her, that she was just hanging on to Naomi until she found someone else, something better. 
She'd always thought that once they had Dakota, their little family unit would feel more secure. And sometimes it did. But Naomi knew as well as anyone that nothing was ever guaranteed in life. When they were younger, their love felt like an act of defiance, an escape from the banality of suburbia. But as they got older, Naomi began to feel like she was turning them into the thing they ran away from, like she was trying to force them into the mold of the perfect American family. And though she would never admit it, she sometimes got the feeling that Michelle resented how domestic they'd become. She took Cheever for a walk before lunch, and as she did, her mind kept returning to the previous night. It was strange, she thought, how she'd been awakened by that loud crack, and yet Michelle had slept right through it. She couldn't see how. It sounded like a gunshot at close range. As she fixated on the sound, though, something else occurred to her. Hadn't she heard a similar sound before she first saw the ghost in her childhood as well? Yes, that's right, she thought. She'd been asleep in her bed when a resounding crack had awoken her. And then, as she lay there, barely awake, that was when she'd seen the ghost. The memory was becoming clearer, but there was still much she couldn't recall. Had the ghost come multiple times, or just once? And exactly how old had she been at the time? She was a bit older than Dakota was now, she knew. Maybe thirteen or fourteen? It was a time marked by trouble in her life, much like the years that preceded. When she was twelve, Naomi's father had lost his job. Most nights, she could hear her parents arguing through the walls, her mother swearing, saying they were going to lose the house, her father insisting that God would provide for them. She remembered her mom storming out of the house after being barraged by her father, her face red and swollen from crying, a look of terror and exhaustion in her eyes. Naomi wondered if the chaos of her childhood was what made her so adamant about settling down with Michelle. Was the perfect family she sought to create just a response to the trauma of her upbringing? She ruminated on the question for so long that she hardly noticed when it was time to pick up Dakota. When she arrived, Dakota was sitting on the grass in front of her school. The afternoon sun shined through her golden hair, imbuing it with a radiant glow. Naomi thought that she had never seen such a perfect-looking person. Hey, honey, Naomi said as she climbed into the car. Hi, Dakota said, putting her seatbelt on. Did you have a good day? Naomi asked. Yeah, Dakota said, exuding a soft groan as children sometimes do when they want to express the anguish of their burden. When they pulled up to a stoplight, Naomi looked back at her. So. I know the last couple nights have been scary, she said. Sometimes in the dark I get scared too. But there's something you need to understand. Ghosts are not real. So then what did we see last night? Dakota asked, an air of defiance in her words. Well, Naomi said, maybe you were scared and you thought that you... But you saw it too. Dakota interjected. 
Naomi turned back around to find that the light had turned green. I don't know what I saw, she said. I mean, I was scared too. There's nothing wrong with admitting when you get scared. Naomi looked at Dakota in the rearview mirror as she sighed and turned to look out the window. After dinner that night, Naomi and Michelle lay on the couch watching TV. Cheever was curled up and sleeping at their feet. Naomi had been quiet again that evening, and Michelle seemed concerned. You doing okay? she asked, stroking her wife's arm. Yeah, Naomi said. I'm fine. If you say so, Michelle said. Just don't let your fear keep you away from me. Naomi felt her body seize up, as if her heart had stopped beating. What did you just say? she asked. I was just saying, don't let anything come between us. If you're afraid of something, we should talk about it, Michelle said. No, I understand what you meant, said Naomi. But what were the words you used? Don't let your fear keep you away from me, Michelle said, a bit thrown by the question. She waited for Naomi to provide a logical response, but her wife appeared frozen in place, staring off into nothingness. Naomi couldn't understand. It was the precise phrase her mother told her when she was young. Don't let your fear keep you away from me. She knew Michelle hadn't gotten it from her mom. For understandable reasons, Naomi's contact with her parents was extremely limited. Michelle and her mom had hardly even met face to face. It wouldn't have been peculiar if it had been a common expression. Something like, I'll always be here for you or this too shall pass. But it wasn't. It was a unique combination of words. Don't let your fear keep you away from me. So unique, in fact, that Naomi was certain that Michelle and her mom were the only two people she'd ever heard say those words. What is it? Michelle was saying. What's wrong? What made you think to say that? Naomi asked. Specifically. I don't know, Michelle said. It just popped into my head. What's the big deal? It's just something my mom used to say to me, said Naomi. And? Michelle said, wrinkling her brow. Naomi sat up on the couch, pulling a strand of hair behind her ear. It's an uncommon expression. Only two people have ever said those words to me. That's not odd to you? Yeah, maybe a little odd, but I mean, what exactly are you suggesting? I don't know, Naomi said. It's just, I've got this weird feeling lately. Oh, you mean like believing in ghosts and thinking life is a dream? Michelle said. Naomi sighed and looked away. See, this is why I'm hesitant to bring stuff up. It's like you're not even trying to take me seriously. Okay, you're right. I'm sorry, Michelle said. Just talk to me. Tell me what you're feeling. It's hard to put into words, Naomi said. I guess it does feel a bit like being in a dream, but less absurd and senseless. When Dakota said she'd seen a ghost, it reminded me that when I was a kid, I'd seen one too. In fact, my experience was almost identical. And then... You say the exact same phrase my mom said when I was young. 
It's like there's these predetermined events that just keep repeating. Like my life is being played on a tape, and every so often it loops back on itself. Okay, Michelle said. But how would something like that be possible? Do you think reality is like a simulation or something? Maybe. I don't know. Naomi thought for a moment. Maybe I'm dead or unconscious or sleeping, and this is all just an elaborate hallucination. And what would that make me and Dakota? Michelle asked. Are we just the background characters? The extras? That's not what I'm saying, Naomi tried. No, I get it, Michelle went on. Because you're not only at the center of your own universe, you're at the center of everyone else's as well. You know what? Forget it, Naomi said, rising from the couch and starting down the hallway. It was silly for me to think you'd understand. She walked upstairs and checked on Dakota, finding her sprawled across the mattress, blankets pushed to the far corners of the bed. She often slept as though she'd been flung across the room haphazardly. Naomi pulled the covers up over Dakota and then slid the pillow back under her head. She walked down the hall to her bedroom and got ready for bed. As she stood over the sink brushing her teeth, she caught sight of herself in the bathroom mirror. She looked at herself, at the features that constituted her identity, her short brown hair, her slightly asymmetrical jawline, the subtle wrinkles extending from the corners of her eyes. They seemed familiar, but empty, like there was nothing actually behind them. She could see herself, though she couldn't help feeling like nobody was really there. When she lay down in bed and closed her eyes, she found herself again returning to her childhood, to the ghost she saw in her bedroom. She ran through her memories of it, trying to uncover the parts that were hidden. The loud, echoing crack, her eyes opening to see the dark figure in the corner of her room, the smell of smoke, and the pure, unabated terror. Surprisingly, Dakota slept through the night, and, the following morning, it being a Saturday, the three of them ate breakfast together when they woke up. After a sip of coffee, Michelle turned to Dakota, who sat over a plate of bacon and waffles. What should we do today? she asked. Um, go to the beach? Dakota asked, suddenly excited at the proposal. Michelle glanced at Naomi who gave her a nod of approval. Sure, Michelle said. Dakota celebrated, kicking her feet ecstatically under the table. After breakfast, they gathered towels and folding chairs, put on swimsuits and sunblock. They climbed into the car and headed off, an early Sonic Youth song playing on the radio. When they arrived, the beach was crowded. Swimmers and volleyball players, groups of teenagers and families, Surfers and leathery-looking sun-tanners covered the sand. But the weather was so pristine that the crowding seemed unimportant. The sky bright and blue, the air warm but not hot. Naomi looked out at the silver waves receding towards the horizon like a blanket of diamonds. She and Michelle decided on a place to sit not far from the pier, rolling out their towels and setting down their chairs. Dakota plopped down in the sand, eating grapes from a plastic bag 
Naomi cracked open a novel by Angela Carter that she'd been trying to finish. Michelle turned to Dakota. You want to go down to the water? she asked. Dakota nodded and Michelle took her hand. Then the two of them set off towards the waves. As she watched them make their way across the sand, Naomi was reminded of a trip she'd made to the beach as a child. She remembered walking, hand in hand with her mom, just as Michelle and Dakota were doing now. She recalled it had been a weekday. She had no idea what the occasion had been. She just remembered her dad leaving for work, remembered her mom approaching her with a rare smile on her face. How about, instead of going to school, we go to the beach today, her mom said. Surprised at the suggestion, Naomi had agreed cheerfully. She and her mom had driven down to the beach together. When they arrived, though, she realized something. Apparently, this wasn't the mother-daughter date she'd assumed it to be. Someone else was joining them. Someone Naomi didn't know. It was a man, about her father's age, but very clearly not her father. He was taller than her dad and had a thick beard. Naomi found herself immediately repulsed by him, by the hair on his chest, by how close he was standing to her mom. Her mom told her the man was named Jake and that he was her friend from church. But he didn't act like her friend. He sat right next to her, so that their thighs were touching, and he kept putting his arm around her and trying to make her laugh. The strange thing was, she was laughing. She seemed to be enjoying his apparent advances, even touching his thigh and pinching his forearm on occasion. It was an unsettling sight for Naomi, who rarely, if ever, saw her mom engage in such behavior. She was like one of the giddy teenagers who snuck underneath the bleachers at a Friday night football game. On the drive home that afternoon, her mom turned down the radio and gently patted Naomi's leg. Let's not tell Dad about today, okay? She said. Her mom had never asked her to keep a secret. She felt nervous at the idea of bearing such a burden, but nevertheless agreed. As Naomi sat there, watching her wife and daughter play in the surf. The memory of that day at the beach with her mom grew ever clearer. Thinking back on it filled her with dread, but she couldn't recall why. She remembered that when her and her mom had gotten home, she'd gone upstairs to take a shower, watching the grains of sand wash off her feet and drift into the drain. After her shower, she'd heard her father come home. He and her mom had gone into their bedroom and shut the door. Naomi could hear them inside. They were arguing. She pressed her ear against the door, trying to hear what they were fighting about. She couldn't make out the precise details, but she could hear words like unfaithful and betrayal. She crept downstairs and sat quietly at the kitchen table, waiting for her parents to come down for dinner. She sat there for what felt like hours, listening to the sounds of rage. Eventually, she heated up some leftovers in the microwave and went upstairs to bed. After a while, she fell asleep.
until something woke her. Something loud. Naomi's heart began to pound, realizing that was the night she'd seen the ghost. A thunderous crack rang out, and she'd awoken to the subtle scent of smoke. As her eyes adjusted to the darkness, she'd caught sight of the figure looming in the dark corner of her room. She pulled the covers up to her chin, as if they could shield her from the frightening presence. Her breathing grew rapid as she watched the dark, featureless form begin to emerge from the shadows. With slow, staggering movements, it shuffled towards her bed, seeming to drag something along with it. Naomi pulled the blankets almost all the way up over her eyes, leaving just enough space to see above the hem of her quilt. When the figure stood above her, she found its silhouette familiar. She peered through the darkness and realized that it wasn't a ghost at all. It was her father. He looked down at her silently, his eyes cold, his face utterly expressionless. Dad, Naomi whispered. I prayed it would never come to this, her father said. And as he did, Naomi realized he was holding something. His left hand was wrapped around the barrel of his shotgun. But God didn't answer my prayers, he said. The memory sent a shiver through Naomi. She tried to recall what happened next, but her recollection grew vague. In the distance, Dakota and Michelle played and splashed in the surf. Shards of sunlight streaked the water's surface as the endless procession of waves came crashing to shore. Naomi ran a trembling hand through her hair. You always wake up from dreams eventually, she thought to herself. Hey, Jeff here. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, I just want to let you know that I have a Patreon. It charges $3 per new episode. You also get to listen to every episode early and without any ads. Plus, you get access to my audiobook, Solace. It's over eight hours long, sort of a cosmic horror slash mystery thriller story. It's about a journalist who's sort of struggling to make sense of the details of a missing persons case that he's covering. The Patreon also has its own RSS feed, so you can listen on whatever podcasting app you like. There's a link in the show notes for this episode, as well as in the bio of the show, but if you can't see it, it's patreon.com slash A-C-E-P-H-A-L-E. You can also follow me on social media. There's links to Instagram and Twitter in the show notes as well. And as always, thank you so much for listening, for leaving reviews and ratings. All that stuff seriously means a lot to me. I really appreciate hearing from all of you. So thank you. In a world saturated with glossy facades comes a podcast that's breaking barriers. This is Reppin. It's where we do a deep dive into subjects like belonging to mental health, to courage, and more. 
On Reppin, you'll meet the faces you think you know and discover their untold stories. It's real, it's intimate, and it gives you insight into the real person behind the images. In a world of pretense, Reppin strips it all down. No filters, no facades. Learn and be empowered and find inspiration through thought-provoking stories that resonate with your journey. Every episode is an exploration into the truths and values that make us who we are. Representation, it's not just about race or gender. It's about you. Reppin ensures that every voice is heard. Every story is valued. So be seen, be heard, and be represented. Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts.